Hey, good morning, church. We are in the second week of a sermon series called Reflection, Bearing God's Image. And this morning, I want to lift up a characteristic of God called peace, God's peace. And uh, before I get started, I want to just share how my brain works. And this may be scary for some of you guys, so you might want to close your ears. But this is when I'm just um, brainstorming, brain dumping on an idea, on a topic. This is what goes through my head. And this is, again, peace. And here, here it goes. This is unfiltered. Peace. Warren, peace, piece of work, piece of me, piece of cake, piece of pie, piece of meat. It was right before lunchtime, and I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> two-piece suit, um, piecemeal, missing piece, piece de la resistance, peace on earth, peace of mind, peace like a river, rest in peace, peaceful, God's peace, prince of peace. As I'm looking through my, my brain dumping, I'm seeing a recurring theme about food, a piece of cake, a piece of pie. Notice, notice I didn't say a piece of fruit or a piece of celery. That's why, that's why I do Weight Watchers. Um, peace, Webster's Dictionary, peace, freedom from noise, worries, troubles, and fear. Peace, the absence of stress. Peace, the opposite of war. This past week, we remembered the anniversary of D-Day, June 6, 1944, American troops storming the beaches of Normandy under heavy fire. Some of us here knew folks that fought in that battle. And if you've ever seen the Tom Hanks, Steven Spielberg movie, Saving Private Ryan, you get a taste for what that day was really like. War, the opposite of peace. And what we're looking at this morning is God's peace. What we're going to try and get our head around is God's peace, God's peace that transcends our understanding and how we might possibly work towards that, and how that is reflected in our lives. From St. Paul, and if I could have you guys uh, read this with me, this scripture is one of my favorite scriptures. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And... The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Thank you, guys. Do not be anxious about anything. Um, I have tried it the other way, to be anxious about all things. That and stress eating, let me just tell you, does not work, okay? Um, four factors that can help lead us to God's peace. Um, and not, this is not an inclusive list, and this may not work for you, but this works for me, and I share it with you guys this morning. Four factors, again, that can help lead us to God's peace. Number one, being still. And the, the text I want to hold up is Psalm 4610. Be still, be still, and know that I am God. And I pretty much stink at this being still stuff. And if you guys um, ever see me uh, around church during the week, I'm on the phone a lot. And I, I, don't, I don't talk on the phone sitting down. I'm always walking the hallways. I'm wandering around. I'm in the office. I'm, I'm in the fellowship hall. I'm just not very good at this be still stuff. Um, my wife and I are coming up on our 30th anniversary a week from Tuesday. Um, thank you, Jesus. Th- thank you for the one person <laughs> clapping. <laughs> I know my wife planted you there. Um, but a week from Tuesday, we're celebrating our 30th wedding anniversary. Um, we're going to be doing VBS. So my wife and I are doing VBS. We want to come celebrate our 30th. Come, come hang out with us. Um, but, but I want to share you, 30 years, we didn't start out so smooth, okay? It was a little bit rough. Um, the, the night that I asked Cindy to marry me, this is um, Thanksgiving Eve, uh, um, Thanksgiving Eve, 1986. 
Um, I'm all anxious about asking my wife to marry me. I'm, I'm worried about it. I, I, the night before, I stayed up all night looking at this little ring that I had bought for my wife, just thinking, what, what am I doing? What have I done? Is there any way to back out of this? Um, but I, I go to work that day. This is back in my engineering days. I'm driving home that day. I'm about a mile from the house, and I run out of gas. I just spaced out filling up the gas. And I'm thinking, okay, okay, this is cool. Cindy's going to come pick me up at our apartment. I, I can walk home the mile. I'm walking home, and, and I step on some random rock in the middle of the road, and I break my foot. Uh, I, didn't know was, I didn't know it was broken at the time, but, um, you know, I, Cindy picked me up. I, I'm hobbling. Uh, I asked her to marry me that day. She says yes. And it was just a foretaste of uh, that, 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 that vow in our wedding vows, in sickness and health kind of thing. But I, I fast forward um, to our, our couple, three, three days before our wedding. Um, we're going to have this big wedding planned, lots of guests, my big family from the East Coast coming out. Uh, we have friends and family coming in from out of town. Three days before the wedding, I'm playing basketball at lunch, and I break my ankle. I roll my ankle, and I break it. Um, and I remember being at the hospital, and they're putting my ankle in a cast, and I'm telling the guys working on me that I'm getting married this Saturday. And then I begin to share that the day that I asked my wife to marry me, I broke my foot, and now this is happening three days before I get married. And then one of the guys says, man, I think God might be telling you something. <laughs> but only, only in hindsight do I realize that God was trying to tell my wife something. This is going to be one heck of a ride. Hang on. Um, but, but seriously, for me, breaking my ankle, it was a gift. I was forced to be still. And this frantic feeling that I had to make sure everyone who was coming in from out of town, coming to Colorado maybe for the first time, was, I felt like this burden. I, I had to make sure they had a good time. I truly felt a burden lift off of me, the self-appointed thinking that I needed to be the host of the world. This mantle was taken from me, and now I was confined to sitting back literally and being still. And it truly was a gift from God, and I sensed God's peace come over me because I think I could have blown it by being so uptight and wanting it to be perfect. Instead, I was just there, forced to be still, forced to be present and not perfect. I was forced to live out those words and as I surrendered to my situation, I felt a peace come over me, God's peace. This stupid broken ankle breaking me of my need to be in the middle of everything, fixing everything, being a Martha, and almost, almost missing the event. And maybe some of you guys can relate, feeling some sense of responsibility that I need to help determine every outcome. Somehow it's not going to happen without me. I need to help steer the boat. Really, I, I, need, to help, I need to drive the boat. Um, I need to help make it happen. It's really hard for me to be still. A couple weeks back, I met some old friends of mine at a coffee shop down in Castle Rock. Two couples, in fact, old friends. They're, they're friends together, and I've known them for some years. But each of their wives had been recently diagnosed with a serious illness. One was with Parkinson's and another with stage 4 bone cancer. Um, we caught up with each other, and I heard how everyone was doing, and then we talked about what they were all going through. Um, in light of their illness. First, the ladies with their illness um, they shared how they were diagnosed and what the symptoms were leading up and how things were pro progressing or not and what the treatments were like for each. I then asked the guys how they were doing, how they were doing with all this, and we talked about how tough it is to be a caregiver, especially for guys. And I don't know if you guys are all this way, but this is how my mind thinks. If a small hammer doesn't work, a big hammer will surely do the job. 
And that's maybe okay for some things, but not when you're battling serious illness. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. And some of us can be still on our own. We don't need to break a foot or an ankle or be diagnosed with cancer. But some of us need those things to slow us down. And not just our bodies, but our brains that are going 50 miles an hour at 2 a.m. in the morning. Forced be still time, I'm convinced, is better than no be still time. And maybe it's some of these types of be still times in our lives when we're forced, when we're forced to maybe for the first time to acknowledge our total need for God, our need to surrender to God, our need to trust Him totally because we have run out of means, our limited delusional ideas that we can fix anything on our own. The Lord will fight for you. This is from Exodus. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Moses is leading the Israelites out of Egypt. The, uh, the Egyptians are right on their tail. They're, right, they're coming up to the, the Red Sea. And Moses says, stop your whining. God's going to take care of us. Sometimes we're like a trapped bird in a room banging repeatedly into the skylight, thinking somehow, some way, this time, the result will change. God is telling us to stop. 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 Let me help. God tells us to be still and know that I am God. Be still and trust me. Be still and know that I am with you through this junk. Stop fighting. Surrender to me. Trust me. Submit to me. Be still and know that I am God. Being aware of God's presence, for me, gives me peace, gives us peace. From Scripture, we know that God is with us till the end of the ages. God will be with us wherever we go, even through the valley of the shadow of death. But sometimes... Sometimes God seems so far away. And in those moments, in those days, in those weeks, we need to pray, Jesus, Jesus, make me aware of you. Jesus, make me aware of your presence. Draw near to God, Scripture says. Draw near to God and God will draw near to you. God whispers to me, you do not have because you do not ask. Come to me. Come to me, all you who are burdened and weary, and I will give you rest. I will give you peace. One way, one way we can experience God's peace, being still. Another way we can experience God's peace, number two, trusting God. Trusting, trusting the Lord with your whole heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. I met, um, I met a man named CJ for the first time at Northridge Rec Center this past Thursday morning. I was working out and he was just finishing working out, and I liked him right off the bat. He had a warm smile, and I could tell he was comfortable in his own skin, and he just had a peace about him. He had just finished his swim workout, and we were the only two guys in the locker room, and this is my unwritten law of, of guys in the locker room. Um, two guys in an, a completely empty locker room almost guaranteed that their lockers would be right next to each other. Um, maybe some of you guys have been there. Um, but sure enough, our lockers... Uh, right next to each other. So I asked CJ, how, how was your swim? And he said, really good. And I said, do you swim, do you swim often? And, and he said, a couple, three times a week, it's a good workout with my other therapy. See, CJ was in a wheelchair. I said, what, what did you do to your legs? He said, uh, I'm a paraplegic. I broke my back in 2013, T4, paralyzed from here down. I asked him how he did it. He said, I was racing dirt bikes in Colorado Springs, a freak thing. I said, wow, how did, you, 
How did you come to grips with it? How did you get your head and your heart around it? And CJ said, that first year was tough, especially, especially when my dad didn't want me to settle. He wanted me to walk. He wanted me to fight. He didn't want me to give up. And finally, I had to accept it. Most folks who break their back at T4, they're not going to walk again. I just had to accept that and move on. From there, I just worked hard to be the best wheelchair guy I could be. CJ is about 25 years old, I'm guessing. Trust in the Lord with your whole heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight, straight your paths. What CJ had to do was say, uncle, and then submit to this new normal. It was never going to go back to the old way. And CJ went on and told me this, that the breaking of his back, the breaking of his back was the best thing that ever happened to him. But that's taken him four years to be able to say that. Wow. There's a story there. And as I was sharing this later that day with my wife, Cindy, and Sarah, they both said, why, why was this? Why was this the best thing that could happen? And that was the question. I asked a lot of questions of CJ. I didn't ask that one. But next time I meet CJ in the locker, I'm going to ask him that. Why do you guys think CJ said that was the best thing that could ever happen? Why do you, why do you guys think? Yeah, maybe so. Maybe he was heading in the wrong direction and he just needed this course correction. Um, maybe he met the love of his life in therapy somewhere. Um, who, who knows? But he said it was the best thing, best thing that could happen. Um, but I did ask CJ. I missed that question, but I asked CJ, CJ, do you, do you have a faith? And he said, I believe in God, but I'm not very religious. I told him, me too, me too. Um, and then he shared that he felt God's presence and power throughout his accident, his recovery. And he repeated that he wasn't very religious. Maybe that was more for my sake. Um, he didn't want me to get the wrong impression. Um, but near the end, near the end of our locker room conversation, we finally introduced ourselves. And I told him I was a pastor. And he asked me where I did church. And I told him, Mission Hills. I didn't. I did. <laughs> I was hoping I would get a laugh out of it. I did not say that. <laughs> But then I shared with him that all of us on this side of heaven are broken, some more visibly than others, and that God takes us however we are and loves us along, leads us home. I told CJ I may use some of this in my message this Sunday, and he smiled. And I invited CJ to come to our church, Mission Hills. Um, no. <laughs> he probably could teach us all a thing or two about trusting and submission and acceptance and peace. Come follow me. From John's gospel, come follow, no, from Mark's gospel, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once, the men left their nets and followed him. At once. This is Jesus calling the first apostles, um, Andrew and Peter. At once, uthos is the Greek word. He does the same thing to James and John, two brothers. And at once, they left, they dropped their nets, and they followed him. Um, Mark's gospel uses this Greek word, uthos, um, a whole bunch of times, and it means at once, without delay, immediately, or without hesitation. There's, there's this sense of urgency in Mark's gospel. Mark uses that word uthos 40 times in his gospel. When Jesus calls these guys, they respond with uthos, without delay, at once, immediately, without hesitation. And they start their walk with Jesus. They don't discuss it amongst themselves. They don't pray about it. They don't put it on the back burner and deal with it later. They just do it. If we're going to follow this Jesus, if we're going to follow someone, we, we have to trust them. 
We have to trust them that they know what they're doing and they know where they're going. If we're going to follow this Jesus with any real sense of peace, we have to trust him. We have to submit to him. We have to say to him, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Trust in the Lord with your whole heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. How can you and I, how how can we experience God's peace? One, by being still. Two, by trusting God. And three, I want to say how how we experience God's peace is by embracing and extending the gift of grace. My grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I'm sharing with you guys this morning some of my favorite texts. Uh, And this one may be my most favorite. My grace is sufficient. My grace is enough. This is all you need. My strength, my godness, my power is made perfect in weakness. When you say, uncle, when you admit you can't do it on your own, I show up in a big way. St. Paul, this text is from 2 Corinthians. St. Paul is pleading with the Lord three times, the text says. Paul pleads his case with the Lord. I've got this thorn in my side, this ache in my belly. If you could just remove this, I could be an evangelist. I could be a preacher, a tent maker, ten times better than I am now. Lord, could you just please take this away from me? And the Lord says, when you're firing on all cylinders on your own, without me, they get you. But when you lean on me, when you depend on my grace, folks get me. And the whisper, and the whisper comes back to St. Paul, no, not this time. My grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Embracing the gift of grace. Extending the gift of grace because of the cross, because of Christ's blood shed for us on the cross, we have been forgiven. Our sins, the ones we committed yesterday, the ones we'll commit tomorrow, all of our sins washed away in the blood of Christ. Because we have been been forgiven by by God's grace, we need to extend forgiveness by God's grace. If we want to know God's peace, we need to know God's grace and then extend that grace. From Matthew's Gospel, for if, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. From the Lord's Prayer we prayed this morning, forgive us our sins as we forgive, as we forgive those who sin against us. Anne Lamott, one of my favorite authors, wrote a book called Traveling Mercies, and I quote from that book. This is Anne Lamott speaking. I went around saying for a long time that I'm not one of those Christians who is heavily into forgiveness, that I'm one of the other kind. But even though it was funny and actually true, it started to be too painful to stay that way. In fact, not forgiving is like drinking rat poison and waiting for the rat to die. And maybe we can all relate at some level. And I don't know about you guys, but I have had some unresolved bitterness in my life. Someone hurt me or my family deeply, and they didn't care, or they didn't ask for forgiveness, or in my mind, they didn't deserve to be forgiven. And I remember being in those times, and Jesus whispering to me, forgive. And I would whisper back a little bit louder, do I have to? And the answer would come back, yes, yes, yes. And I know something about not forgiving as life-sucking torture. As the video of the hurt plays over and over again in my mind, and for me, when I held on to my not forgiving, when I held on to my not forgiving, I could feel this weight on my shoulders, this burden, heavy. And then only in hindsight did I realize that what was piling up on me was my sin. 
Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. If we don't forgive, we hinder, we hinder our own forgiveness. I didn't get that piece. Somebody once asked me if I had forgiven someone who had hurt me. With my words, I said yes, but with my heart, I held on to the grudge. And I'm learning that you start out holding a grudge, and in the end, the grudge holds on to you. For sure, there was no peace. And I don't know who said this first, but I like it. When we genuinely forgive, we set a prisoner free. Then we discover the prisoner we set free was us. I want the freedom from those kind of hurts. We need that freedom from hurts. Jesus in John's gospel says this, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus, again, I've come to give you life and to give it to you abundantly. We want that, don't we? Max Lucado's quote, you'll never forgive anyone as much as God has already forgiven you. To forgive is, a, is an act of faith. It is not a head thing or a vocal thing or a visible thing. It is a matter of the heart. And not between your heart and the offender's heart, at least not at the beginning. It is between your heart and God's heart. To forgive doesn't happen by itself. It is a choice, a scary choice that takes a tremendous amount of courage and faith, especially when the world says, don't get mad, get even. Charlotte Steele usually sits back in one of those comfy chairs way in the back. Um, she's 92 years young, and she's been battling with uh, cancer, with melanoma. Uh, and I've gotten to visit with Charlotte over the, the last couple of weeks and just be with her and pray with her and be with her son, and um, Charlotte is this amazing lady. You would never know this. 92 years young. Um, at 63, she went to China to be a missionary and a teacher. At 78, she got her PhD. She's an author. She's a pilot. She's an organist. She's a harpist. Just amazing lady that sits in the back, and I pray. She's got a second surgery on Tuesday. I pray that she's going to be okay, but as I was visiting with her, um, just this past week, she said, and, and I'm from New York, um, Charlotte is from Virginia, and she has this sweet Virginia way of speaking, and she said, Joe, I forgive you that you're a Yankee. <laughs> I, I just smiled, and I said, thank you, Charlotte. I embraced, I embraced the, gift of, the gift of grace. If we're going to experience God's peace, we need to be still. We need to trust God, and we need to embrace and extend the gift of grace the gift of forgiveness. Thank you, Charlotte, for forgiving me for my yankiness. Number four, how are we going to experience God's peace? Holding on to the promise of future hope. From Jeremiah, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Cindy and I went through a pre-marriage class. Um, the church that we were married at was Welshire Presbyterian off of Colorado Boulevard. Um, but they didn't have a pre-marriage class. So we, uh, they told us, go to Cherry Hills. They've got a pre-marriage class. And this was back 30 years ago when they were off of um, Hamden. And this was a six-week class. And I remember dreading going to this class. This was Cindy's idea. This was not my idea. It was really the last thing I wanted to do. But then, then I realized after the first class how much I really needed this class and how we both needed some serious coaching as we stepped into this commitment, this lifelong commitment. And one of the classes was, was about giving your spouse, giving each other the gift of future hope, especially in the midst of the journey, especially when it gets tough and the shine is worn off and it's just hard. The gift of future hope. 
The need to give each other something that they can look forward to, something that they can hold on to in the midst of the struggle. Hey, babe, I know this is really hard right now, but remember, we'll get through this, and after this is over, let's you and I, and we plant some seed of hope, some promise of future calm in the midst of the storm, a, a life preserver to hold on to something when we feel anything but peace. And Jesus, as he's saying goodbye to his disciples, as he's trying to calm their hearts, because Jesus is starting to talk crazy talk like he's going to the cross, Jesus tells them this. He gives them this message of hope. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going now to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back, I promise, and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas, doubting Thomas, I love him. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't have a clue what you're talking about. We don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus says to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Um, this is us. This is us as a, well, this is us. But this is us as a new TV show came on this past year. Um, Cindy and I don't watch a lot of TV, but we, we, we fell in love with this show. Um, and it's a hard show to watch sometimes because it's so honest, it's so real and raw. It's about a family, a messed up family just like yours and mine. And the last show of this year, the last scene of the season, it's a heartbreaking scene, and the mom and dad, Rebecca and Jack, they are struggling, and they agree that they need to separate for a while. They need to go just be in different places for a while. And they're in the midst of some pretty big stuff. And the wife asks the husband angrily, pointedly, why, Jack, why do you love me? Not in the past, but why do you love me now? She says, don't, don't even answer. Don't answer. She goes upstairs to bed. He sleeps on the couch. In the morning, they both haven't slept much, but he's been thinking all night long about how much he loves his wife and how he still loves his wife. And he lists these beautiful things, present tense, that he loves about his wife. And at the end, he tells her, as just about as he's walking out the door, he says, Rebecca, you're not just my great love story. You are my big break and our love story. And I know it may not feel like it right now, but babe, I promise you, it's just getting started. For you and me, the best is yet to come. This is not over. The best is yet to come. The promise of future hope in the midst of the struggle. John's Gospel Jesus repeats it again. Peace I leave with you guys. My peace I give you. I do, not, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. He repeats it again. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus is telling his guys, he's telling us that no matter what, no matter what, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. How do you and I experience God's peace? Number one, being still. Number two, trusting God. Number three, embracing and extending the gift of grace. And number four, holding on to the promise of future hope. I'm trying to wrap this up, tying this all together. The peace journey for me is moving from Psalm 22 to Psalm 23. Psalm 22, verse 1, is this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want peace journey, moving from Psalm 22 to Psalm 23. How did the psalmist go? How did the writer of these two psalms go from, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, 
Where the heck are you, God? To the next psalm, Lord, you are my shepherd. I shall not want. I trust you totally. You have my back, good shepherd. I've wandered off before and you've rescued me, not because of anything I've done, but because I matter to you. The peace journey, it's our life journey. This is us. It is our faith journey. It's my faith journey. Wandering somewhere between both of these verses, sometimes heavy on one side or the other, depending on our circumstances, depending on our hearts, depending on our brokenness. Jesus quotes Psalm 22 from the cross. Jesus, in all his humanness, says the same thing that we want to scream at times, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, the ultimate teacher, the ultimate example of how to do it right, the Prince of Peace, gives us permission from the cross to feel the same way, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But Jesus doesn't leave us there. The Good Shepherd moves us along from Good Friday in the cross to the empty tomb on Easter morning reminding us that we too can dare to move from Psalm 22 to Psalm 23, even if we don't feel it, even if it doesn't make sense at all. We can claim it by faith. Psalm 23 for me is a prayer that points us towards God's peace. It's about being still and trusting, embracing the gift of grace, and then holding on to the promise of future hope. If we could just take a moment in this sacred place to pray Psalm 23 together, to quiet our hearts as best we can, get rid of all pretense, and together be in God's presence. If I could have you guys just repeat after me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. This past week, I saw a young, a young boy in our neighborhood learning how to skateboard. And you could just tell he was just learning. He was all rickety and stiff, just like if I was learning how to skateboard now. Um, you know, for some of us, this faith journey it might just be like that, learning how to skateboard. It just doesn't feel right. This being still, this trusting God, this... Um, Embracing grace and extending grace, this promise, holding on to the promise of future hope. It may just, man, it's just, it's just not me. But maybe some of us, the Holy Spirit is speaking right into our hearts and saying, I want you to trust me today. I want you to be still enough to hear my voice. If I could ask us to just bow our heads just for a moment.
with heads bowed and eyes closed. Lord, we just come before you. And Lord, we acknowledge that um, on our own, on our own, on my own, I'm one step above pond scum on my good days. But Lord, we need you. Lord, some of the folks in this room may be just coming to you for the first time. And Lord, I pray for them right now. Lord, I pray that they can be still enough to hear that you love them unconditionally. Lord, you went to the cross for them and that your blood on that cross was shed for them for their sins, Lord. Maybe for the first time they're saying, yes, Lord, I want to follow you, Lord. Lord, I pray for those folks today. But Lord, for all of us, we're on this journey. We're We're on this peace journey from Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? To complete surrender, Psalm 23. Lord, you are my shepherd. Lord, I just pray over this gathered body. Lord, I pray for our hearts, Lord, that we may continue on this peace journey until you call us home. I pray over this, over this gathered body. I pray this in your sweet name, Jesus, and all God's people said, amen, amen.